Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk to FIFA president Gianni Infantino and hear about his vision for African football. Well, when it comes to African football, I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic from what I've seen. For me, it has been from the beginning one of the priorities. Will Infantino be a friend of Africa as his predecessor Sepp Blatter was? Plus, listeners' thoughts on the upcoming CAF elections, the second part of Stuart's look at the Africans playing in China, and we ask if Arsene Wenger will stay at Arsenal. So I think he is under unprecedented pressure, and I think it's becoming less and less likely that he will be the Arsenal manager next season. That's coming up later. Lots happening this weekend in African football as host Zambia plays Senegal in the final of the Under-20 Africa Cup of Nations on Sunday. It's been an exciting tournament so far. Plus the first legs of the first round of the CAF Champions League and the CAF Confederation Cup. Now in the Champions League, the winners of these ties qualify for the expanded group stage, which now has 16 teams, and they'll get a minimum of $550,000 in prize money if they qualify for the group stage. So lots to play for this weekend and the following weekend. Now, FIFA president Gianni Infantino has been on a big tour of Africa. He came here to Zimbabwe on that tour. And last week we heard from him on the upcoming CAF elections, which take place on Thursday of next week, where Ahmed Ahmed from Madagascar is challenging CAF president Issa Hayatu in the presidential elections. Well, Infantino denied that he has an interest in seeing Hayatu deposed and that he has any part in campaigning in the CAF elections. Well, more on those elections later. Infantino has been in the job for a year now, and I had a chance to ask him about his vision for African football and how he feels about the progress and the challenges since he took over. Well, when it comes to African football, I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic from what I've seen. For me, it has been from the beginning one of the priorities, and uh, we have done and we have taken already some concrete action. First, also, we have a Secretary-General who is coming from Africa, but who has an international experience and experience in uh, development programs in general, which will help, of course, also uh, the football development. We have increased the number of members from Africa in the FIFA Council from four to seven. This is something concrete. This gives more voice and more inclusion to uh, the African membership. We are increasing the number of teams participating in the World Cup uh, from five to, we will see how many, but more than now, and this is also a concrete step. We've increased the investments we are making in African football by three and a half, so from 27 million a year that FIFA was investing in Africa, we are moving now to 94 million a year, almost 100 million a year, every year that we invest in football projects in African football associations and we start already to see the results of these uh, investments with projects such as these projects here in Zimbabwe which are uh, put into place. So I'm really convinced that when I see the passion that there is in this continent for football, if we manage to put some 
structures and some and channeling a little bit these passions with a little bit of work and goodwill the results will be uh, fantastic and we are already seeing some of them that's FIFA president Gianni Infantino. He mentioned the FIFA secretary general there. That's Fatma Samura from Senegal, the second most powerful person in world football. And we'll hear from her shortly. Well, Solomon, Infantino's predecessor, Sepp Blatter, was seen as a friend of Africa. Do you think that Infantino will be a bigger friend? I think the appointment of FIFA secretary general Fatma Samura from Senegal it's, it's a very big welcome decision by the FIFA president, Gianni Infantino. And I feel he is definitely, from the look of things, going to be a bigger friend to Africa than Sepp Blatter. But let's look at Sepp Blatter. Sepp Blatter was a friend of Africa to a certain level because he pushed for Africa to get more spots when it comes to the World Cup qualification. But at the same time, at the end of uh, Blatter's reign, you know, there was a lot of uh, allegations of mismanagement of uh, monies and fraud and corruption. And, and that, indeed, you know, uh, meant that a lot of money that was supposed to come to Africa, uh, Africa's development, you know, uh, it was used elsewhere. So I feel Seb Blatter's relationship with Africa was more about trying to get the votes to keep him there in a FIFA seat. But, but with Gianni Infantino, with the increase recently of, of, of finances coming to Africa, uh, you know, it has really shown that he, he's really committed to Africa. With the, also with push to make sure that there's, there's transparency, there is uh, honesty, uh, there is good governance and good leadership with uh, Africa's football FAs. I think that's a, a good way to show that you are a friend of Africa, that you're interested in building African football. And I think if you want to be a good friend of Africa, don't just give to Africa, but help build Africa. Well, he's certainly making a lot of money available. Infantino's increased the annual development grant from $250,000 a year to $1.25 million a year. That's an extra $1 million per year. But to get the money, the football associations must produce audited accounts and must have concrete development proposals. So Zimbabwe has proposed a grassroots development project with 8,000 football clubs around the country. And when he was here, Infantino gave that a go-ahead. So this extra money could make a big difference for many nations, Solomon. You know, a nation like Zimbabwe definitely is going to go a long way in, in really getting grassroots football uh, development projects, you know, across football clubs all around. But this money would make a whole lot of difference, not just in a nation like Zimbabwe. You know, you're looking at other nations like Gambia, uh, Senegal or Ghana or Mali. You know, uh, we have to look at how we're going to use this money. You know, in Nigeria, where there's quite a lot of uh, academies where, where individuals and also government is setting up academies all across the country that, that would go a long way but we have to get a concrete plan you know that 1.25 million dollar will go a very very long way in helping you know develop football and not just men's football but we also have to look at women's football so this is definitely going to go a long way and is is something that is very much needed and to see the jump in figure is just astonishing steve you know you get to ask a lot of questions what happened with the previous regime of uh, fifa of uh, Seb Blatter not doing that for us because if there's any continent that needs such amount of money to develop football is definitely the continent of Africa because it's not like we don't have the talent 
we have the talents, but then do we have the facility? Do we have the infrastructure? And that is what this money is definitely going to go a long way in doing that. But like FIFA insisted, there must be a concrete plan. There must be transparency. There must be accountability because we don't want this money to end in, in pockets of football administrators, which is something that we've seen over and over again in the continent of Africa. Well, thanks, Solomon. And on your point on Set Blatter's time at FIFA, Gianni Infantino claimed in his election manifesto that the huge increase in money for development would come from accountability and from ending corruption at FIFA. Now, that's what Infantino said about it before he was elected FIFA president. Now, Wednesday was International Women's Day and the FIFA Secretary-General Fatma Samura from Senegal has gone where no woman has been before in football. As the FIFA Secretary-General, she's the second most powerful person in world football. Well, Samura previously worked at the United Nations and she hasn't featured much in the media since her appointment last year. But she spoke this week at a FIFA conference on equality and inclusion and spoke about her vision. I do believe in the power of football to shape society because I want to use what I've learned during my 21 years of experience with the UN to change FIFA and to change the sport that has the biggest global reach, which is football. By 2026, we will have doubled the number of female players in the world. And to achieve that, we have established a dedicated women football division. That's Fatma Samora, that audio coming from FIFA TV. And big plans she has. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. You can also listen to the show on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Now, on the show, we've been looking at African players in China over the past couple of weeks. And last week, Stuart highlighted the 29 Africans playing in the top two divisions in China. And Stuart has more for us this week. But let's just focus on four players and see the kind of player who has decided to play in China. James Chimanga, he is from Zambia, and he's been in China for 10 years, played over 200 games, and scored 66 goals since he joined from the South African club Morocco Swallows in 2008. Now, he's even moved about because he had five seasons at Dalian Haichang, with 120 games and then four seasons at Hong Yun, where he's played a further 80 games. And of course, he's well known in Zambia, having played 58 times for the national team. And when that answered a question that some people would have, if you go and play in China, is it the end of your international career? Well, certainly not for James, because he's played most of his games for uh, Zambia while playing club football in China. Then we have Yves Hermann Equala from Cameroon. Now, he has been in China now for five seasons, and he's played for four different clubs and is currently with Chan Chang. 
as far as I can see, he's never been chosen to play for his country. And then there's Babacar Gay from Senegal. Now, he played for Mets in France for about six years and then spent two years in Germany. And then in 2012, he went to China and he's now with his third club. He's also at Changsang. And uh, you know, his Chinese career has been impressive because he played 126 games in his first five seasons, scoring 77 goals. And quite an amazing strike rate, really, there. And then, of course, we need to speak about a Gambian player, Bubakar Trawali, generally known as Steve. He has been in China now, this is his third season, played his career up until that in his home country for Real de Banjul. And then in 2015, he got a move to China, which incidentally didn't start that well because he didn't really play any games in his first season, but then became a regular player in his second season at Yanbian, where he's played 25 games, scoring 17 goals. That's an amazing strike rate. And he's now moved on to Yanbian Fudi, where he will be a teammate of Odin Agalo. So interesting to see some of the players, the type of player there. Trolley is only 22, so he's got quite a career ahead of him if he decides to stay there. And he also has got three caps for Gambia, which he picked up while playing in China. And I think, you know, Steve, as the Super League has just started, we'll keep an eye on some of these African players, how they perform over the coming weeks and months. Thanks, Stuart. And we had uh, Bubakar Steve Trawali on the show last year talking about life in China. Good to hear that he's doing well there. I'm sure that many more Africans will be on their way to China in the next few years. Well, now let's go to Facebook and to WhatsApp. And on Thursday of next week, Madagascar's Ahmed Ahmed will challenge Issa Hayatu for the position of CAF president. Hayatu has been in charge since 1988, but Southern Africa has pledged support for Ahmed, who looks to be a serious contender. So last week we asked, who do you think will win the election? On Facebook, an Amadou Mane in the Gambia says, I believe Issa Hayatu will be re-elected the president of CAF as usual. This is because many of our football federation leaders think that Mr Hayatu is the only person capable of leading African football. Just as they believe the former disgraced FIFA president, Sepp Blatter, was the only person capable of leading world football. The man should step aside now, says Amadou, and give a chance to another person to head African football. On What's Up and Sam Chiquilera in Malawi says, Ahmed Ahmed must definitely be the winner. We need change. From 1988 until today, no. These terms of Hayatu reflect the failure of African countries' football associations. Hayatu must rest now and pave the way for new blood, says Sam. We need a president who can win Africa its first ever World Cup. And Alfred Mdimba, also in Malawi, agrees. Ahmed must take over the position, says Alfred. It's high time and long overdue. Lamine Sane in the Gambia says Hayatu should give the chance to others to lead African football. He's not the only African who has managerial skills. It's time for a change in the leadership of CAF. To Sierra Leone now, and Desmond Tunde Koka says, I think Hayatu will still maintain the position because of his experience. Even though one would say the new contestant Ahmed is a fine gentleman, I strongly believe in Issa Hayatu. 
Jesse Arando, also in Sierra Leone, agrees. I think Hayatu will win the election because of the progress in African football, says Jesse. He's been doing well in the position, and for now, he is the most fit person for the position. Mwinga Mainbolwe in Zambia agrees. He says Isa Hayatu will retain his seat. Ahmed doesn't look very convincing. It's good to hear from Nganya Demba Gassame in the Gambia for the first time. Ahmed should win the election because Hayatu's been there for so long, says Nganya. Things should change so that African football can also change and move to a higher level. And Paul Truman in Nigeria agrees, saying Ahmed should win it to provide the paradigm shift needed in African football. Hayatu has had long years at the helm with little or no progressive impact on African football, says Paul. Hayatu has a bias against anglophone players, alleges Paul. Barnabas Ande, also in Nigeria, says, I give it up for Ahmed. It's time for a change in African football leadership. Tell Isa Hayatu that his friend Mr. Blatter is gone and he should follow. Ephratha Kamanga in Malawi says Ahmed will win. We're all tired of Isa Hayatu. He'll bring new ideas on how to improve our lovely game of football. Also, we welcome your voice messages on WhatsApp. And uh, from the Gambia, here's Musa Balde. I'm definitely going in for Mohamed Mohamed of Madagascar. Isa Hayatu have been in the post for quite a long time. And I think now it's high time that he released the post and allowed others to take part. And I'm also sure that my own FA will go in for Mohamed Mohamed of Madagascar. Well, thanks for that, Musa. On a different topic, on the influx of African players in the Chinese Super League, we've been asking if this is a good move for their career development. And it's been good to hear from Khalifa Sanyang, who's currently in China, where he's a student. Now, Khalifa says, I've been to many matches in the Chinese Super League here, and it's always an exciting atmosphere in the stadiums. Shanghai Shenhua is my favourite team. The season has just started, and I'm looking forward to seeing the likes of Odion Igalo, Steve Trawali of the Gambia, and many more. And Khalifa continues, I think it's very ignorant for anyone to suggest that coming to China is some sort of holiday for football players. It is not. The work that's going on at grassroots level is incredible, and they're only going to get better. Thanks very much for that perspective from China, Khalifa. However, Sidu Organ Jobate in the Gambia is not convinced that going to China is a good move for African players. My advice to fellow African brothers, says Sidu, is to avoid beginning their careers in China. It is a place where you can get money, but not good football. If you believe in yourself like Eto, Drogba and Yaya Toure did, play your football in Europe and you'll surely get all the money you need, plus the glittering career that you were dreaming of. And finally, on the English Premier League, Usman Salah in the Gambia says, We Chelsea will take the league by the grace of God. Go, go Chelsea. And well, with a 10-point lead, things are looking very good for you, Usman, and the rest of Chelsea fans around Africa. Well, thanks very much for all of those comments and always great to hear from you. Well, what a week it was in the UEFA Champions League with one of the most remarkable games of all time as Barcelona overturned a 4-0 first leg defeat to beat Paris Saint-Germain 6-1 in the second leg and to qualify for the quarterfinals 6-5 on aggregate, this with three late goals. What did you make of it all, Stuart? 
I mean, it was a brilliant performance by Barcelona, but at the same time, Paris Saint-Germain, who had been so brilliant in the first leg, just didn't seem to know how to play the game. They seemed nervous. Once they went behind and once they went too behind, they just kept losing the ball. They didn't seem to have a strategy. But in the end of the day, you can only give credit to Barcelona for an incredible belief in themselves, attacking football. And when you've got a forward line of Suarez, Neymar and Messi, you know, attacking football comes pretty naturally. An amazing game, an amazing comeback. Indeed. And on WhatsApp, Al Fusaini Jaju in the Gambia says Barcelona made the impossible become possible. Congrats to them. Yeah, that's a great way of summing that up, Al Fusaini. And uh, what an embarrassment for Arsenal, losing 5-1 home and away to Bayern Munich to go out 10-2 on aggregate. And now the Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger seemed fairly resolute in the days after the game, saying that he won't resign. But uh, Stuart, will he have to go? Well, you know, I think English football owes a great deal to Arsene Wenger. He was such an innovator when he came from Japan in the first place. He introduced new diets, training methods, even changed the temperature on the team bus so that the players' muscles would warm up. But he's also a man of very strong principles, stubborn, some would say. And, you know, as well as the training, the diet and so on, he has a very rigid view of tactics and his transfer policy. And one can think of uh, Champions League games when Arsenal were winning and frankly should have parked the bus, but he carried on attacking and lost games that they would otherwise have won. And, you see, Wenger has certain principles that he will not break. In the close season, we saw Manchester United paying something approaching $150 million for Paul Pogba, and Wenger would never do that. And a lot of people now say, well, what he's doing is not working. He's got to change his approach. And the question is, can he change that approach? And it seems now he's also falling out with some of his key players. Alexis Sanchez is probably Arsenal's only world-class player, and it looks as if he's going to leave in the summer because he is not getting on very well with Wenger, and uh, Arsenal are probably not going to pay him the increased salary that he's asking for. And, of course, none of this is helped by the fact that both Wenger and Arsenal are dithering about whether he's going to be there next season. So I think he is under unprecedented pressure, and I think it's becoming less and less likely that he will be the Arsenal manager next season. Yeah, it really is looking like that now, isn't it? And uh, Stuart, we talked about Leicester City last week, and you said that the club owner's decision to fire manager Claudio Ranieri just nine months after winning the title was understandable, even though the decision was widely criticised and seen as being very harsh. Well, it's now two wins out of two for caretaker manager Craig Shakespeare and the African Footballer of the Year, Riyad Mahrez, scored his first goal since November in magnificent style against Hull City last weekend. But uh, how has removing the manager and his assistant taking over produced this huge improvement at Leicester? Now, it's really very difficult to know what has happened at Leicester. You know, Craig Shakespeare made no significant changes to the team. Was his team talk somehow more motivating than Ranieri's had been? Somehow, Vardy, who scored two goals against Liverpool, and Mares, who scored his first in the game against Hull, you know, somehow their confidence has come back. Was that Shakespeare? Was it 
just coincidence? We'll never know. I mean, certainly in the Liverpool game, Liverpool played into Leicester's hands with a high back four and gave Vardy the space to run into and Mares the space to hit passes into. Craig Shakespeare is an interesting character. He's been at Leicester for eight years as assistant manager. I think it will be great if he is, as the rumours say, going to be given the job until the end of the season. Whether he gets it permanently, I would have some doubts there because I think that the owners of Leicester City will be looking for a big-name, more experienced manager, because while Shakespeare has been at Leicester for eight years, he's never actually been the number one at any club. And incidentally, Steve, one fascinating uh, statistic on Craig Shakespeare, he was caretaker manager of West Brom for one game, and as I speak, he's been caretaker manager of Leicester City for two games, and he's won all three of those games. Well, impressive record for Leicester City's caretaker manager, Craig Shakespeare. Now, Stuart, uh, Everton's Romelu Lukaku recently scored the 300th hat-trick in English Premier League history. Uh, There are a few Africans who feature quite highly on the hat-trick list in England. Well, yes, it's great to see Lukaku getting the 300th Premier League hat-trick. And incidentally, I'm taking hat-trick to mean scoring three goals in a game, not necessarily three consecutive games. And there have actually been... 30 African players from nine different countries who have scored three goals in a game in the Premier League. There were seven from Ivory Coast. Of course, Mr. Drogba is up there. He has done it three times. But, you know, given that he scored 100 goals for Chelsea, I'm a little surprised that only three times has he got the hat-trick. Other Ivorians who've scored three goals are Solomon Kalou, again for Chelsea, Yaya Torre for Manchester City, Aruna Kuni for Everton, and Aruna Dindan for Portsmouth. Now, Nigerians have also had seven occurrences. And uh, Efanakuku for Norwich City, many years ago, was the first African to score a Premier League hat-trick. Nwanke Kanu has done it for Arsenal. And Peter Odemwingi for West Bromwich Albion. Incidentally, he's now playing for Rotherham, And something I didn't know about him is that he was born in the Soviet Union. Interesting player, but it seems as if his career may be coming to an end playing in the lower reaches of the English League with Rotherham United. But the Nigerian who's made the most impact is Yakubu, who has scored four Premier League hat-tricks and for three different clubs, for Blackburn Rovers, Everton and Portsmouth. Three players from Senegal have scored Premier League hat-tricks, Henri Kamerha for Wigan some years ago. Demba Ba twice for Newcastle United. And of course, he's now playing in China. And Sadio Mane for Southampton, including that incredible one where he scored for Southampton against Aston Villa. Three goals in less than three minutes. Togo is on the list with Adebayor three times scoring the hat-trick for Arsenal. Now, there are two Zimbabweans, Steve, and I know you'll be excited to hear this. Peter Undlove for Coventry City, right back in 1995. And also Ben Jani, who had a great career in English football, playing for Manchester City, Sunderland and Blackburn, but he got his hat-trick for Portsmouth. Two players from Cameroon, Samuel Eto'o, scored three for Chelsea towards the end of his illustrious career, and Simon Chichoy, 
a player I can't remember, I have to confess, but he had two seasons at West Brom and managed to get a hat-trick for them. The Ghanaian Tony Yeboah in the mid-90s scored two hat-tricks for Leeds and many will remember the absolute screamer that he hit from about 30 metres, which was once goal of the season. Yannick Balassi's hat-trick for Crystal Palace puts DR Congo on the list. And finally, the Algerian Riyad Mahrez scored one for Leicester the year that they won the league championship. And just before I finish, Steve, let me tell you about two players I feel really sorry for. Egil Ossensad at Tottenham and Hernandez from Manchester United, each of whom thought they'd got the hat-trick, but afterwards the dubious goals panel took one of their goals away and put it down as an own goal. How harsh is that? (laughs) Oh dear, very unfortunate. Well, thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, That's it for the show for this week. But on Facebook and WhatsApp, tell us, do you think that Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger should stay or go? Is the 10-2 aggregate defeat to Bayern Munich the final straw? Or is Wenger still the best man for the club? Go onto our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Should Arsene Wenger stay or should he go? From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.